it is February pretty much as this episode is going live and that is exactly why I need your attention before I launch into introducing today's guest. I want to invite you to a really special planning masterclass that I'm going to be hosting on the 9th of February. It's called the Rock Your Vision Masterclass. Yeah, because we're all here to have a lot of fun with our visions and our goals this year. I want to give you in this masterclass, it's a 90 minute session. I want to give you three specific tools that are going to create structure. They're going to create certainty that these are the right goals for your business this year. And finally, what we all want, how to have a winning mindset for 2021. This is going to be a really interactive 90 minutes because I'm all about you walking away with a plan and making the most of that time. I know that taking 90 minutes out of your day is really precious for a lot of you. You've got big to-do lists and other responsibilities in your life. So if you're going to come along, it needs to be actionable. You need to be able to walk away knowing exactly what you need to do. We've all got those pictures on our vision boards. We've all got a few ideas for goals scribbled in a journal. Let's actually make those things happen. If you want to come along to the Rock Your Vision Masterclass happening on the 9th of February at 12 p.m. Sydney time, you can head to the link in the show notes or type into your browser rubymarsh.com slash masterclass to register your spot. And it's free. So easy, easy. Tick that box, come along and I'll see you there. Welcome to the True to You podcast, your go-to show for practical wisdom to build a meaningful and creative small business. You'll find content on marketing, mindset, and tons of experts who want to help you grow a thriving small business that you truly love. My guests are exceptionally creative women building businesses from their zone of genius, all while balancing many other roles in their life. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. My guest today is someone very special who, if you are a local Newcastle yogi, you might know her too. She came across my path back in the last half of 2020 when she joined us in the first official round of the Create Her Club. As much as I was there in the Creator Club to guide and lead the women, Tara was also there alongside me. She was incredibly generous with her comments, her feedback, and keeping the women accountable to their greatness. She was the mama bear of the group. Within a couple of weeks of being with us, she was offered an opportunity to be part of a collaborative book called Wild Women Rising. This gave Tara the chance to go deeper with her story. And so today I'm very excited with this interview to be celebrating that milestone and the book officially launched in January of this year. Tara is the founder of Om Wellness. She is a yoga meditation facilitator who is passionate about helping people in community and corporate settings 
to transform their lives to one of more joy and fulfillment. She is the creator of online program 40 Days with Tara. In her work, Tara uses simple yet powerful methods like yoga, meditation, energy medicine and mindset awareness to transform her own life from one of severe bipolar disorder and heart disease at just 31 years of age to now living her life by design in which she is thriving and guiding others to do the same. I want to welcome to the True To You podcast my guest for episode number 76, Tara Lee Bagnell. Today on the 13th of January 2021, I am sitting here with a beautiful woman, Tara Lee Bagnell, who is a yoga teacher, now author, soon to be author. By the time this comes out at the end of January, you will be able to get the hot, your hot little hands on the book that she is part of called Wild Woman Rising. She's also a massage therapist, I just found out, which is super cool. And I thought I would sit down with Tara and have a conversation around her career journey, becoming a yoga teacher and all these other opportunities that have now presented themselves, writing and being creative, and also how we can manage stress as business owners, how we can infuse some of the yoga principles into our businesses as well, because as Tara knows, this is something that I'm also really passionate about and I think there's there's some amazing opportunities there for you if you want to dive in. So welcome Tara Thank to the True You podcast. It's, it's a real pleasure to have you in my home and be able to share this conversation together. Now let's kick it off with the first question I pretty much ask every guest, but how did you become a yoga teacher what was that journey did you have a previous career you are a mother of how many children um we've got six children six, together six children yes with her <laughs> husband and so as you can imagine tara is quite a busy woman but she has also um in the last 10 years pursued a career in in yoga teaching and yeah share with us how, you, how this came to be and and that journey to, that led you to this this point. Okay, it's my, it might be a little bit of a long story. Um, going back to my very first sort of enter into the workforce, I suppose, like when I left school, I wanted to be a dietitian. And so that led me into going to uni. And, but at the same time, I did my remedial massage diploma that first year when I was at uni. And that, the reason I was led into that was because I worked with my mum. She had a hair salon and she, she had a hair salon for nearly 30 years and I, was, I used to help and that was sort of my first job, I suppose, um, from when I was you know, eight to nine. And I used to like do all this stuff around the salon, but I also used to wash and massage people's heads. Oh, wow. Okay. So I quickly was, you know, got to realise that I was good with my hands and I was always told and complimented like oh you're so good with your hands and when I'd sort of massage the conditioner I'd, I'd spend a bit of time doing it and then so when I started uni that's how mum was like oh would you like to do a massage diploma as well so she put me through that for that first year 
So I was working doing that well, after I was graduated. I worked and then continued studying at uni. Um, and then had a baby. <laughs> so I had my first baby, like I was 22. Um, kind of didn't actually finish my degree. I always just massaged and worked with my mum around motherhood and all of that sort of stuff. And then had a second baby, <laughs> like long time after that. But after my first, he was probably about a year old. And I've, because I was at home and I wanted to contribute to the family, but also always was looking for something for myself as well. I got into an online sort of offline business Herbalife. Mm -hmm. So I was a, involved in network marketing. So that was my first real kind of business type thing that I um, endeavoured to do. And I actually was in that business for um, six years. That's and a I, good stint in network marketing yeah. because it's, it's often, uh, and I've done a little bit, it's often something that people from the outside that they, they um, there's a lot of opportunity and mm -hmm. I'm not going to put my bias on whether I think network marketing is good or not yeah. because we probably have a few women involved in that listening but certainly as a mother it's a flexible opportunity you your earnings are not capped so you look at it and you go well if I put in the work I can probably do quite well at this and so six years later what made you decide to get out of that I I actually closed that business. I felt like it was while I was doing it it was lucrative like it did provide an income and I got a lot of personal that's where my personal journey really yeah. start personal development journey really started in that business um, and it really did serve me while I was there sort of second baby then third baby come along <laughs> um, I didn't I started to feel not aligned with that business so to speak because I, I you know I remember getting referred to as oh, you know you don't have to put you don't have to put on weight when you're pregnant just because you're pregnant that was when I was pregnant with my third and that just really didn't sit with me and so I'm I, looking back I've always sort of followed my gut without making a conscious decision I didn't consciously decide I'm not doing that business anymore but I just fell out of rhythm with it and mm -hmm. um, by the time I had my third baby my daughter I kind of just let it slide um, then I had sort of I, oh, and again I always kept working with my mum and massaging around that sort of as well um, and it was around that time that my first marriage um, dissolved like separated we separated and then um, fast track I sort of got into after I met my hang on I've got a like it's such a such a lot isn't it <laughs> <laughs> um so I was by myself and that's sorry so then I ended up um suffering like or getting diagnosed with heart disease and going through that whole personal journey journey of having a triple bypass and I was 31 at that point my daughter was so the baby was two wow um, and I was still breastfeeding her and so it was quite a big upheaval to my whole life and then through that process I became my job mm. 
Um, my focus completely shifted to myself because I had to. Um, it was kind of a forced thing, um, and, which was really hard. Like I used to leave my children when I'd have to do, because I said I used to have to do seven hours of cardio a week and do weights every day, like to 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 strengthen my heart and mm. all these this prescribed, you know, physical things to do to help my rehabilitation mm. to give me a you know, the greatest outcome, that that took up a lot of time. And I used to have, you know, I'd leave my children um, to do these things and I'd cry. Like I would literally be going for a walk, you know, my mum would be there to look after them and I would just be in tears because it was so unnatural for me to do that. But I knew that it was a matter of life and death that I did that. But after that, well, through that process um, with the doctors and... The nurses and all their concerns about how is this single mother of three going to sort of manage this condition for her life um, and I was told that it was very much stress related so they were like what do you want to do you need to do something for you and I always wanted to do yoga and my mum actually I'd never learned it but I'd probably done a class once at uni that was it but my mum actually did all the yogic breathing with me through all my births. Mm. Like when I was when I was birthing my children, she taught it to me just in those in the, in the moments. Wow! And so okay. it really did facilitate. Like I had really amazing births. Um, so I had a connection with it, but I just never had the time mm. for it. Um, but now it's like okay, you've got to make the time. And so I started just doing yoga once a week at a community center. Because at that time, this was like 13 years ago, there was no studios mm. around like there is today. Um, and then, then eventually I met my husband I'm with now. And at that time, after that, I got involved in another off online kind of offline business body shop at home. Yeah. <laughs> party, another party player type thing. Then after my fourth baby, I got into Interno and so switched to that business. Like I just, I sort of kept one and did the other. Yeah. And, um, they all kind of resonated with me. I love, if I love a product, which at the time I did, like at those times, I really am just a natural salesperson and I'm not trying to sell products, but mm. I just love, I talk about stuff that mm. I love. And so that kind of, you know, resonated with people and, in a, in a business sense, it was very social and gave me again something for myself to do. And then my husband was really like, even though he supported and wanted me to be doing something, earning money, etc., he didn't really like me working weekends. Mm -hmm. And these businesses all required weekend work, and it was just like, oh, but that's what I'm doing, you know. <laughs> um, and then after. I had a bit of a break off yoga after I had my fourth baby and then I finally, just with sort of personal circumstances, I was like, I've really got to get back into it and I was really at that point needing to commit more than just, you know, a weekly class. So I found a studio and started going and ended up developing a daily practice and I just fell in love with it and just every time I just walked through the door, I just felt like this big sigh, like this, my body just kind of go that I knew I just wanted to increase my time doing that mm. and it was just what I, I just loved it mm. um, and about I was sort of doing that for probably just over a year and then I walked out of the class one day and I got to know 
the staff there and the teachers because I was there every day. <laughs> and I walked out of the class one day and this I saw the manager sitting on the lounge kind of thing, having a chat to teachers and whatever, and I was like, in my head, I thought, mm, that'd be a good job. Like, just, you know, random thought. But I was like, oh, that's an awful thing to think. You know, that's she's a lovely person. I don't want her to take a job off her or anything like that. But it just so happened about, oh, very soon after that, I received a phone call and they, this person was leaving, like relocated out of the area, and so they needed someone mm. in that role. And they said, would you be available? Like, would you like this job? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I, at that time, Charlize was near uh, three, three-ish. And um, I was like, I don't know if I can do do a job. Like, do that. Like, mm. go back into sort of working. Because when you do your own business, you can book a party or you could do stuff around whatever you want to do whereas like committing yourself to these certain hours every single day was like to me felt a bit daunting because mm. um, I've always always had that flexibility but anyway I rang my husband and he's like I don't know if I can do it and he's like you can do it yes you can do it so he was really really encouraging he's always continued to be that way and I kind of there was this little bit of uh, excitement about it even though there was that hesitation, but I ended up um, starting work at the studio. And part of my employment package was doing my teacher training, mm. which I didn't realise until I started that that's what was the case. And I was like, oh, wow, like that was so exciting, not from a perspective of me going to teach, but just that I thought I love yoga and anything I can learn about it, I'll take any opportunity I can. Mm. And so I did my teacher training and I really didn't know at that time whether I would even teach. But once I sort of started teaching, I kind of, I kind of just couldn't not teach. It was just, I was sort of just drawn to it. It just really was like a calling and I just wanted to keep going and seeing how it impacts students. Like even though from the outset it looks like such a simple thing, teaching a class to you know, a group of students, the, the comments, the people saying to you like, oh my gosh, like this is what happened or this is how it's affected me, really makes it worthwhile. And, mm. and so I just continued um, teaching and probably a couple of years ago now, so two years I went out, like actually stopped the studio um, like work and literally just went out completely on my own um, and yeah so I just basically teach yoga and I massage sort of a bit of mobile here and there and and I've just really created now like a business where I can work when I want to work like obviously there is a requirement that when I do classes I'm really committed to them mm. um, but I have sort of structured it so I've got lots of still got lots of time for myself because that's a really big value for me it was once forced but now it's like it really is a genuine value of mine that we need to sort of um, look after ourselves yes yes and that time that you spent in the studio managing it did did that give you a background to the business of yoga? Absolutely. That yeah. we don't often see as a student in a class, mm. what it actually takes to... I, I've been involved in a strength and conditioning gym and 
you have no idea until you actually own the business, right? Or you're you are privy to the finances and to the member numbers and all of yes. those things that you realize uh, what it takes to break even and all of your costs and overheads. And I imagine that probably did help you once you went on out on your own. Absolutely, and I think all my background, like such a vast experience, like. I've been in a business of mm. some sort for at least 20, more than 20 years. And so that experience, it like every time I was in a business, I was like, this is it. Mm. I love it. You know, like I gen- and that was, that's genuine. I genuinely in those moments did love it and enjoy what I was doing. And I was like, all the previous stuff has led me to this, this <laughs> point. Um, but it, it sort of just kept going. I was kind of like just guided through different into the next thing very organically and I think each even book work like book stuff like mm. I'm still an old school book book girl like yeah oh, I haven't transitioned yet no zero around here no <laughs> yes I know I've got to do it at some point but um because that's what I learned and my mum and I had a really strong background with my mum being a business owner for 30 and she still does it like mm. she still works like in her own business how, how much do you think I I similar to you grew up with parents owning multiple businesses until they both went to university but it was much later in in their life that they went to university it was in their 40s mm. how much do you think having that involvement helped you in terms of your own businesses or I think for me, where it really became apparent was the work ethic Mm, and understanding that when you own your own show, just as what I said before, you know, you you understand what's required, but I think it's that grit and that hustle and that relationship building and even the businesses that we had, we were local businesses, it's being part of a community things like that they're all little things that as a kid you it goes over your head but they're they're so important yeah yeah I think you've got to show up for yourself when you're at your own Mm. when you own your own business Mm. like and even um going back to my like real it was heavily um embedded into us in when in the Herbalife days was that the more you work on yourself the more your business will that will be reflected in your business yeah and i initially i think when a lot of people hear that they go oh what does that mean like they can't they can't quite it doesn't quite click but it is so true like Mm. the more we do work on ourselves like in all those things that you don't think are even business related are related to the business so you've got to have that inner spark to keep going like that real mental focus and yeah yeah and know when you're hitting a block and you've got to move through it in some way or know for you intuitively when something was coming to an end and being able to let go of that because I know that building a business it it is your baby and to think about letting go of it is like letting go a part of yourself and that must have been maybe it wasn't for you was it hard to let go of those businesses it was the probably it sounds funny because it wasn't the business but leaving the studio was the hardest Mm. for me um because I saw it as it like I I 
identified with it so much. It was part of my identity. And the businesses, like, I think they really organically just fell away. Mm. Other people wanted me. It was other people that kind of were like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> but I felt okay with it. Whereas when I left the studio, um, that that I, I had, that I cried. But, I, but that was a part of the process of just releasing and letting go of that attachment and I think and that's what we do in life right? mm. with everything mm. over time you know that process of letting go is letting the go. biggest um, lesson in everything in life not just in business but in our lives mm. so. and something that comes to mind as well alongside that letting go is also thinking that the next opportunity is not going to be as good that scarcity mindset that we can get into of there's not going to be another business like this is not going to be my studio is not going to be as good as this one or look how prosperous they are and I'm starting from scratch and I think you really just have to work on that too because sometimes that letting go of things is also because you're afraid that the next thing's not going to come along or the next opportunity's not going to be as good um it's there's many times that we face that scarcity equation scarcity versus abundance equation in in our businesses yeah certainly and i think at the end of the day usually in most cases if we look back in hindsight even though we don't feel like this at the moment, it ends up being better than we think. Mm. Like mm. it's it's been better than I could have ever thought. Mm. So um, yeah, it's just that fear of the unknown, which yeah. a lot of my practices now, like over the particular last couple of years, have really sort of been pushing me to sort of explore that for myself, mm. not just in business but just as a person. Mm. And it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. I want to rewind the conversation a little to something you said when you were going through your recovery from your triple bypass, which not to gloss over that, that is a huge, huge thing. And looking at Tara now, you wouldn't even believe that that was a part of your story, but I think that's testament to how much you have worked on the inside and the outside (laughs) through this journey but something you said was you didn't want to leave your babies you knew you had to give this time to yourself but it was a really big turning point and now something that last year when we were in the creator club I remember this conversation with all of the women and you said to them you have to make time for yourself if you don't make time for yourself then everything else is going to be a lot harder in your life and in your business too and for someone that has a yoga community that has a large family that you're very devoted to and you really look after them you're you're very much also this proponent of helping women see that they need this for themselves especially mums but anyone I think especially if you've got any kind of dependent in a maybe you're in a relationship as well and you're giving to that relationship or you're giving to your job why why is this so important to you number one and then secondly what do you say to those women and maybe this is tied into your answer that say i don't have time Uh, my children are everything or they take priority or my husband or my partner or 
whatever it is in their life that, that stops them from devoting to themselves. Mm-hmm. Why is it important to me? It's important to me because it really, literally, Nelly, Nelly was a matter of life and death mm-hmm. for me. And I suppose it took that to happen for me to really, I didn't even know. Like I really, I breastfed my first for three years, breastfed my second for more than two, my third for, I was breastfeeding her to the day before I had my heart surgery. Wow, yeah. I, and I didn't see, see any problem with that. Like, and I, even looking back, I don't regret any of that. Like I don't regret that I devoted all that time to my children, it was that was my reality. Um, and that's, I think, a big thing is that women don't actually realise that what's happening. They, mm. they, we, we do really get caught up and it is a very big, you know, brain fog, you know, feeding or having young children and doing this and that and like all these tasks that we get lost amongst it all. Yeah. Um, but it's become really a passionate thing of mine to share if I can, my story with people just, and, and also not to say, oh my God, I've got six children, but. And you should feel sorry for me. No, no, no. Life's really hard. <laughs> just that you matter. Like yeah. you matter. And um, rolling back in, rolling into the second part of the question, like if you sort of, if you automatically think now, oh, but I don't have time. I think that's really just a belief that we've been indoctrinated with. Mm. It's like a badge of honour. Mm. Like that's I'm not saying that to criticise anyone. Um, and if that does trigger you, maybe kind of like sit with that and ask why. But we're so we go around and saying I've got no time. I'm so busy. Where it's in our culture, it's and our culture is very masculine. It's mm. very male dominant energy yang. Like mm. do 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 do. Do ten things at a time. Not we're gonna multitask. Do you actually look at men? That oh, well, I don't know about all, all men, but my husband does not multitask. No, mine neither. <laughs> and, and and I remember back in the day, actually kind of criticizing males for not being able to multitask. We're like, oh, women can do that. We can multitask. But do we actually like when you actually take a really big step back from that? It's actually a good thing, mm. not like single focus mm. tasks, like one thing at a time, actually gets things done more quickly. Mm. So going, I've sort of sidetracked a little bit, but going back to the I don't have time, I think we're just, it's so common language. It's so, we've just heard our mothers say it, like it's come down the generations mm. of that, and even more so now because now women, we're working and raising families. We're doing more, mm. and then we're being told, "Oh, um, we can do everything a man can do," which that's great. But at the same time, we should be honouring that we are different, that we are, you know, women, that we have children, that men aren't doing the same things mm. that we're doing. Mm. Um, but I think it becomes a belief because we hear it so often, and then we say it to ourselves, and then we use it to justify. Mm. that oh it's okay that I'm not doing anything for me because I don't have time and then we talk about it with our girlfriends and everyone else says that too mm. and so it's kind of like we get part of that club of we don't have time mm. it's like yeah um but how do you not have time like I I know that can sound really challenging for some people but 
you know, we've got six children and there was a time where we had all of them doing an extracurricular sport. But some people put their kids in multiple extracurricular mm. sports. Do they need to be doing mm. that? Like, do you, are you valuable enough to book yourself in for an extracurricular sport? Yeah. Like, such <laughs> yeah. as yoga or yeah. a meditation class. Yeah. Or you're, you're more valuable than your child. If, if you're not okay, they're not going to be okay. Mm. You know? It's like if you don't have your oxygen mask on, like how they say when you board a plane, put your if there's any turbulence or problems, put your oxygen mask on first yeah. before your child. Yeah. Because if you die, your child's not going to be benefiting from anything from you at all. And I used to, I sat in the shower in the hospital room, like when I was in hospital. I had to spend nearly a month in there before wow. I had my surgery. So that was a long time. Before to... you had the surgery. Yeah, before. Not I... to mention the recovery. Waiting to have the surgery because they were like, oh, we just, they just didn't know what they were doing with me, to be honest. Like, you know, who's 31 that has, yeah. has presented that way? So it was kind of, you know, meetings over, over myself. Um, and it let, gave me a lot of time to contemplate. And I was like, swore a swear word, two shit years have nearly killed me. Yeah. Like, and I was like, I can't, I, I'm not going to let that happen again. Yeah. So it really was a matter of life and death. And it can, if you want to think of it, it's actually that case for everyone. Like every time we say yes to someone else and we feel that gut reaction that we don't actually want to do it, mm. or we feel like we're being pulled above and beyond our resources that affects us mm. and accumulates so like when we give to ourselves we can give to other people like in an actual way where we genuinely want to mm. and so we feel everything changes in our life in our business in our relationships with our family our children you're actually teaching your children and this is a big one that people I don't often think realise, you're teaching your children that it's okay to put themselves first. Mm. And a lot of people are like, oh, you know, like, wow. Like, if you're always seeing as putting, even, even though you'll hear people say, oh, my mum, she always puts everyone else first. Mm. They even celebrate people that way. Yeah. And it's like, what if you teach your children that it's okay to put yourself first? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's a real big shift in... The way we think as a culture and I think it's really necessary like you know but um that's what I hope to sort of help inspire women yeah. to do oh, it's... and even men like you wouldn't think men have the guilt thing but they do mm. um my husband at, at one point like he stopped coming to yoga and I was like oh what are you doing and he's like oh I feel bad that the kids come back because we have our two stepchildren every fortnight and mm-hmm. like, I feel bad that the kids come back and I go to yoga yeah so men are pulled in that way too um so I'm not sort of you know not down saying their, yeah. their their experience but I think it's important that each of us men and women that we um make ourselves happy <laughs> it sounds selfish yeah but it's only when we're happy that we can give to others from that real place of oh I want to do this and I feel like I'm not taking from myself by doing mm. something for you but I'm doing it out of like 
want and joy. Mm. And then the kids start to notice, like the, the husband starts to notice, they're like, oh, she's happy. Mm. Like, you know, and the kids be like, oh, mum, are you going to yoga? Are you doing this? Because they can see a difference in my energy when I've given myself something first mm, mm, totally 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 I, I couldn't agree with you more and and most recently I've heard a lot of conversations around this and even a conversation uh, that you might like that I'll share with you offline that's really mm-hmm. interesting between two men that I heard the other day and how much um, men understand that and I, I know that my husband's also starting to understand how much women if you're a woman and you identify with being a feminine woman you have the masculine as well but more feminine that you hold that you hold the biggest energy in the relationship you hold the energy in the relationships which means you hold the energy of the family so if your energy is coming from a depleted place then it's going to shift the whole energy even if you can't see it and so i think to bring it around also to business this conversation is really important when it comes to business as well because we often put our family first and we often put our business first before us and it's that thing of well I know, especially you would know this as a yoga teacher and as a coach, and if you do anything where you're spending a lot of time around people, it's it's very hard to be present and it's very hard to enjoy your work if your energy is not great. It, 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 it's an energy-charged way of doing business. Absolutely. Uh, especially when you're showing up for people in that sort of environment, whether it be coaching or teaching. And so I think that we could go on with this conversation but it's a reminder to everyone whether they have a family or a business or both that you do need to find your kind of balance in that all affairs yeah those like everything like if you're okay or more than okay your business is going to be more productive Mm. like when you're working in your business it's going to you know you're going to get more results from those mm. time and tasks and and the relationships you build and everything it all will flow from you yes at the end of the day. yes yes okay so one thing i wanted to talk about with you that relates to creativity is your writing and being a published author which is coming out your book is coming out at the end of this month you're you've written a chapter for a book called wild woman rising tell us a little bit about what this book entails perhaps what your chapter is about as well yeah so the book the the whole title is wild woman rising and then brave women who've carved their own path so it's a multi-author book there's 30 authors wow 30 yeah so it's pretty huge that's a project (laughs) we've had had a really lovely container of um, a matter of months together sort of working on this project and each of us have contributed our own chapter so my chapter is titled my life is my practice and it talks about my journey from um, you know my health challenges which on the surface sound like I've just had heart disease (laughs) 
I'm not downplaying it, but, but you know, my level of um, attachment to that has sort of really dissipated over, over the years. But um, it actually really highlights my mental health challenges as well that I've sort of have experienced some from when I was a teenager. Mm. So um, kind of heart disease ended up being the presentation of that. Isn't it amazing? Like if yes. you think if you're into the outward, yeah, <laughs> yeah, what was happening in yeah, yeah. So that's what my chapter talks about, and also my journey using yoga and the practices of meditation, and how that led me to sort of self inquiry, working through those challenges, and to where I am today, where I don't. I wouldn't say like I was once diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Mm, wow. Okay. I, I, I wouldn't. I don't say that I have that anymore. Mm. Um, and I, I believe it was. I didn't think it was at the time, but in hindsight, I chose a really quite radical path in that I went off all allopathic methods, mm. all off all medication that I was on for a multitude of things and. Um, the one saying that I've really like resonated with me when I first started well not first started my yoga journey but kind of halfway through it was you need to feel to heal Mm. so um, I kind of like share the really poignant kind of moments along my path um, that you know allowed me to kind of heal yeah not just physically but mentally and emotionally as well yeah Um, and above and beyond above and beyond I suppose like the chapter title my life is my practice as a woman you know we can't run away to a to a ashram and (laughs) be a monk in the Himalayas or even though that's what we think we think oh my god if we could just go away like Buddha did yeah you know leave his family behind and um you know go work on ourselves and why can't I do this for me and you know, and having that struggle, like, especially in the first half of my um, journey after having my bypass, like, that was where I sat. Like, I was like, I just wanted to run away. Like, and I've experienced that all my life, really. Mm. Like, I just felt like it's all too much. Yeah. Just want to run, run away. But then through this process of, with yoga and, and then even teaching, um, realising that I don't need to, that everything's a practice mm. even every interaction even things that we perceive to be bad aren't mm. because you know my heart disease ended up being the greatest gift that i was mm. given because it's led me to who i am today so um yeah and was writing a book in the plan eventually there's many yoga teachers that have written books but for you, was it something? Uh, uh, do you write? Do you journal? <laughs> I used to. I used to a lot when I was young, and I kind of let the let that whole thing. I used. To, I've still got my journals from when mm. I was like ten and eleven, and I show the kids sometimes. Like, look at this. Look what I wrote. You know, <laughs> it's kind of funny when you look back. And I actually used to love writing, but I kind of just again, probably with motherhood, let let that sort of stuff slide. Mm. Like, you just kind of go. Oh, again, don't have time. I used mm. to be a crocheter. My man taught me how to crochet when mm. I was like eight. Wow. And again, haven't done it since yeah. for years. But um, I at, after going through my experiences and stuff, I actually at one point thought, oh, I'd like to. It, wouldn't that be interesting writing a book? 
but it just kind of felt like a really massive task that I just was like not at the not in the moment to sort of really put time and energy into and then this came up and um, I saw the promotion for this book and so I, I was like oh it just kind of really grabbed me and I liked the title as in you know brave women that have carved their own path kind of the subtitle like grabbed me more than mm. the actual actual title and I was like oh it's only a chapter <laughs> <laughs> and I applied for that I applied just thinking oh we'll see what see what happens and I got accepted mm. and I was like it all happened very quickly for me did. didn't it it did it was really like it was never on my radar but I do live in this um, paradigm where I believe that we like we draw the experiences that are most um, giving to our personal growth. Mm. So whatever's going to help us, you know, evolve mm. as a person, consciousness, how yeah. we really want to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's what we attract, those experiences that are going to help facilitate that. And it's definitely been I, – I kind of um, didn't realise how much further along the path of this spiritual path that I was on until I wrote mm. my chapter because I didn't feel um, I didn't feel like I wasn't not healed from mm. my experiences I, I do sit in this point where I am now where I do really feel quite healed mm. from from all of it like I don't I, I don't feel like triggered or you know there's there's some that still have that experience mm. where they're still really invested in their victim story mm, mm. and that sound doesn't doesn't sound like a nice way to put it but we can get caught up in that place mm. and um i've certainly like kind of gone beyond that yeah which is really nice that's that's a super super cool story and i love how you say that these opportunities come along whether we uh, consciously ask for them to be thrown at us or I think sometimes subconscious they go into our subconscious because we maybe we see someone else has written a book and we just one day one thought and then they say that one thought becomes a thousand thought forms Mm. um so when that goes into your subconscious it's still sitting there it's still ruminating it's creating yeah 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 so um it's just the stars aligned right place right time and it was meant to be and and you took the opportunity which i think was super super brave because you could have looked at that and said well i'm not i'm not a writer i haven't been writing i don't have a writing practice and all of these excuses could have come up right Mm -hmm. and you said well i'll apply and then i imagine you just thought if I get accepted, then it's all work it out. Yeah, I'll work it out. Exactly. exactly. And I've learned I learned that quite early on, early in my twenties, where instead of having a closed mind where I go, I can't do that, I learned back then was like you ask, how can I? So you have a you keep that you keep the question open, mm-hmm. open rather than closed. Mm-hmm. And usually, once the opportunity comes to fruition, and then you've got got to take the next steps. The next steps are usually fairly simple and fairly clear to you once you've once you got the book book opportunity. It's pretty simple what you need to do next, you right? right? You've got to write. <laughs> yeah. But I think we get so caught up in all the fear around 
and all the details and we get into the minutiae of why we can't do something that we forget actually this is really simple and I need to take the first action to see if I'll even get the opportunity in the first place. Exactly. I mean, I'm smiling and I'm kind of laughing, but this is a big deal. But when you look at yourself and you look at what's going on in your mind, it's a little bit crazy sometimes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into this conversation around yoga and business because I see so much opportunity if you're someone that has a practice like yoga or meditation to bring that into how you do business. I would love to know if there's anything that you've taken from your practices and have you applied that to business? Is there any specific teachings perhaps that you feel are really important to running a successful business? And there's a lot, but (laughs) a couple that that have worked for you. I think the one thing that out of it all, which again, what you just said is a lot, is meditation or mindfulness. Mm. Um, You know, focusing on one thing at a time and the training of your brain that is afforded through a meditation practice. Um, You know, so many benefits to meditation, the, you know, amount of your capacity to handle things and stress and a multitude of tasks, perhaps and how you just said, like how our minds out normally, our minds think of, oh my gosh, what happened then or what's going to happen? But through meditation, that sort of becomes single focus. Mm-hmm. And you can just be doing one thing at a time and not ruminating over, oh my gosh, what did that person say? Are they going to, you know, we create so much of our own pain mm-hmm. and thinking, oh my God, what are they going to say if I do that? Yeah. You know, so I, I've really taken that practice kind of into everything, particularly the business, because mm-hmm. I think... I just do what I'm doing right now. I don't let my mind, you know, I have, have had moments where my mind, you know, creates all those stories and that, but that's really, over time, believe me, if you do, if you don't meditate, um, I encourage you to start and over time, it's not a quick fix, but over time, all of that really does settle down and mm. you're so much more productive, mm. even if you're working for someone else. Like mm. you could get your 10-hour job done in probably half that time really if it was focused time yeah and that's where i think there's a little bit of um room for the current paradigm to shift with time and productivity and yes the eight hour work day and (laughs) whether we really need it it's destructive time yes at at the end of the day yes i definitely believe that meditation for, for sure is the is like hits the nail on the head for most things. Do you think, I'm interested to know as well, when you aren't projecting into the future or worried about the past, because uh, as I understand it, meditation puts you into that neutral, more neutral mind, neither positive nor negative. And there's actually benefits to the positive and the negative mind. We, We need both sides. So oftentimes we think that when I'm, think a negative thought it's it's bad but it's not necessarily it sometimes you just 
need to understand why why that's happening but anyway in terms of people that are starting their own businesses and putting themselves out there in the public making relationships building communities if you're a service-based business which is most of the businesses that I work with you're relating to clients you uh you're very much what you create is what you sell yeah and so do you think when you have that grounding that groundedness that mindfulness that you get on with things Mm. to put it really bluntly but you're less worried about whether this is going to work or not going to work you're less worried about judgment and I want to bring it to a specific example with you because in the last month you have stepped up your presence on Instagram and you're on video every single day. I don't even know if you've missed a day. I think I've missed two. Two days. <laughs> but I'm curious to know all of that training that you've had and all of that work that you do and this might seem like a really banal example but most of us are trying to build confidence in areas like content and social media being on video yeah has that helped do you absolutely think? I'll, I'll share a little a quick little um kind of brain brain like i can't think of the words like a jedi like, mind trick like a brain hack kind <laughs> yeah. of tool that i've used um i got this off Kerwin ray i'm not sure if you follow him or know who he is but um, just from watching one of his videos <laughs> um, and it's a phrase that it's kind of goes against the whole I'm not I'm not I'm not in alignment with you know faking it to you make it and po- false positivity and all that sort mm. of stuff but I'm more in alignment with statements of truth mm. sometimes our statements of truth can not feel like they're true yeah when first to say them but this is a really simple phrase it says this is simple, this is easy, this is fun. Mm. And if I ever just feel this bodily resistance to something, I just say that to myself. This is simple, or I say it out loud. This mm. is simple, this is easy, this is fun. This is simple, this is easy, this is fun. <laughs> and I'll repeat it. And it kind of literally just shuts off that thinking mind mm. of what, oh, what if. Yeah. What, you know. And that, even coming up with that takes a certain level of, you know, demanding focus of yourself mm. of like going oh I'm gonna say that and think that rather than think of all the other things that are gonna be bombarding mm. my brain so this is simple this is easy this is fun I love that yeah and I've had I even have taught it in classes and I had one lady who's a teacher she's like she's like I tried that thing she goes I sat down with another another um a colleague and you know she really kind of normally gets under my skin and like she, she repeated that phrase in her mind and she's like, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> so it really does. Like I used to carry, at one point, I used to have to carry like my 30 bolsters in and out of the space I, would, I was hiring mm-hmm. before and after the class. And it used to be like, I was like, how can I bring more, more, joy, more joy to this? Because I was like, this is really like... Yeah. And I was like, this is simple, this is easy, this is fun. And now... I, I got to a point where it actually became enjoyable. Like I was like, oh, look at the clouds or the birds flying or the sun's on my face or you just really shift your focus Mm. to something that's good rather than our mind is actually wired and programmed to look at the bad, the Mm. worst case scenario. So it's 
it's easy for it to fall into that pattern. Mm. We've got to kind of consciously, you know, train it to look at the other. Mm. Mm. And like you just said in that example, you had you looked outside of yourself and you had gratitude for the things that that you were were around you. And I think sometimes, especially in business, we can be so focused in our own stuff that we forget to see how far we've come we forget to celebrate mm. we forget to enjoy all of these milestones that we we hit as a small business owner starting out every day is a new day every month every year is another year you've been in business and i think you're exactly right you've got to get outside of that um that stuckness yeah, yeah. so Finally, I'd love to chat about stress and being a small business owner. I know you also support people who work in corporate with your corporate yoga as well. So really, this applies to anyone that uh, either works in corporate or owns their own business. I think there's a particular certain particular type of stress that either we are managing a large group of people we've got financial obligations even in a corporate environment that we have versus being someone that is a straight employee mm-hmm. of a business and or you're yeah, of a company um so i'm particularly talk, talking to someone that has those responsibilities for their staff or for their family and i would i know that stress is um you know quite an it is a natural response it is something that we probably also experience a lot more than what we realize Mm. in in this modern time what are three practices you've mentioned meditation is is something that is a game changer for you but what would you suggest to any of the women running businesses or or starting a small business and finding themselves constantly in this cycle of stress that they could do to help manage it, help ease it, mm-hmm. and perhaps even uh, not get so overwhelmed all the time mm-hmm. about how much they have to do and yeah, things like that. The first thing is using your body and your breath in, in like an awareness point of view. So as soon as like, obviously, uh, if you don't have some sort of body practice, you may not even know that you're stressed. Mm. So that's kind of one, one thing that's, that you can look at. But if you are familiar that you, that with yourself enough that you know you're stressed and you can, it's a general good, good indication you know, to know that, that you perhaps are experiencing that is that if your mind's thinking about that worst case scenario or like, oh my gosh, I've got to do X, Y, Z, and you're projecting or thinking about the future or you're thinking about the past, that's generally when we're in a stress state because mm-hmm. we're not being present. Mm-hmm. We create our suffering through wanting to be somewhere other than where we are. Mm-hmm. So um, bring yourself back to that moment. So it's really as simple as like feeling your feet on the floor. It doesn't matter whether you've got shoes on or not, but just notice your feet, like mm. where they're connected to the floor. can be an eyes open or eyes closed practice. Like you don't need to, like obviously it's nice if you can close your eyes, but you don't have to. You can literally just go, okay, bring your attention to your feet. 
and hopefully if you're listening to this you know do that now like you, you should be able to feel that in your mm-hmm. feet and at the same time um your, your breath so you might be just one conscious breath um but to build on that further with the breath um there's two breath practices that i really heavily um focus on to minimize or, or to help bring you back into a rest and digest state which is your calm state and that is um called the four part breath or a box breath practice and so you literally so this may be a little difficult to do if you're amongst people um but even if you are again it can be an eyes open or closed practice but it's inhaling for for a count of four and you just mentally count your own inhale you hold the breath at the top for a count of four you exhale for four and then you hold it for four so you just do that you might only do a couple of cycles of it just to kind of help you know calm your nervous system um the other kind of easier i suppose when it comes to the breath is just to extend your exhale and that's something i learned in my one of my first yoga classes so because it increases co2 which is your relaxing it just brings you back into your parasympathetic it really does okay. quite quickly if you ever like if you could if you could put yourself into a forward fold wonderful mm. put your head below your heart you're going to drop your yeah. heart rate and you're going to slow your breath with just by changing the position of your body but obviously sometimes you're not going to be yeah. able to do that but when we stress we take a really you'll hear people that are stressed they'll go <laughs> yeah so their exhale's really really short and they they might take it and you know how you'll hear people say take a deep breath in mm. if you're not breathing long out mm. you actually can stretch yourself more mm. so you really want to not so much focus on your inhale but just exhale mm. as long as you can and it might be just a little bit longer than your inhale but it really does quickly calm your state um over time you can train yourself to keep extending your mm. exhale like this is pranayama but um but over time this is how we condition our nervous system so we don't get stressed or we don't respond the same way to those same things that normally would be like <laughs> stress yes um so yeah so that's that and I've already mentioned meditation but to give you a little bit of a um, probably an easier way to incorporate meditation so many people just feel like meditation just like oh I can't do that I can't do that like they have a very strong belief about that they can't meditate and I would encourage people just to start with a one minute practice or if 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 one minute doesn't sound like much start with five Mm -hmm. and just commit to that and the way that I also really was quite successful um, sticking and building on my meditation practice was what's called a one one breath meditation. So anytime this can be, you could be sitting at a traffic light that you know that stops, that you're always there for a minute. Mm. Just just follow one conscious breath. Mm. You don't have to change that breath, but just be aware of the inhale and the exhale. And just like observe it mm. so that's one breath and then if you do that start say doing it three times in a day and you do that all these little pockets of time you're actually meditating so much more than you realize mm. and you're bringing your re- rewiring your brain each time mm. you do that mm. and it really does allow you to kind of 
embed that practice into your day without going, oh, I'm going to sit down for this time that, oh, I don't have time. Yeah. <laughs> so one breath meditation, and it's something that I teach my students that you can always take a breath when you start your car, one breath. Mm. When you arrive somewhere, one breath. Like, there's always, when you sit down at the toilet, yeah, one breath. And you might only get half a breath when you've got children. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you can find these pockets. Um, the third one, uh, which is kind of fun, and I used to do this without even realising before I learnt the um, practices of it, but it's called humming. And if you think about it, we all do it when we sing. So I used to like sing nursery rhymes on repeat when I was experiencing stress as a mum, like be feeding or, you know, things are insane and I'd be like, it, I just picked it, it could be row, row, row your boat yeah. and just sing it over and over and over again. So singing actually draws your exhale out. Mm-hmm. So it brings you into that parasympathetic nervous system. But if you want to do a bit of a fun one, um, and you can do this, I like to do it in the car when you're sitting at those traffic lights, and it's the Wim Hof humming. Mm-hmm. So he's a bit of a hot, hot thing at the minute. Mm. Um, and his humming is you breathe a really deep breath, so belly, chest, and head, and then you just hum. It's so yogis might think it's oming, but he actually encourages a real silly like. So you breathe in. Oh, ah, you just like really do that sound ah, as long as you can and then you take another deep breath in mm-hmm. and then you do it again and you'll probably be surprised over time I can do two hums so that's obviously two breaths or less than in one minute mm-hmm. so you're training your nervous system doing these things as well so all the practices that I spoke of, humming, meditation, and the, the breath awareness, train your vagus nerve. So your vagus nerve um, is your largest cranial nerve. It runs from your brain, comes into all your you know major organs, your gut. Mm. It's like the feedback loop for our nervous system. So that's why we feel stuff in our gut. Mm. But we have all these senses, like communication pathways from all of our body organs up into our brain. And when we're always living in those heightened states, our vagus tone really diminishes. So that's why, again, we don't know we're stressed because it's our normal. Mm. But by doing these practices, if you just did a, you know, a little bit of humming on your way to work, um, or on, a way, on your way to an appointment or if you just feel a bit anxious in your gut do a bit of humming oh, like it really shifts your energy it's, oh, I love it um, you know and then you know, do those little practices of meditation where you can pop them into your day I just tell people get up 5 minutes before your normal if your alarm normally comes, comes on at 6 5.55 sit up back against the bed 5 minutes that's it. Yeah. Like, and just do it. Mm. That sounds like I'm a Nike ad. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then if you feel those experiences of stress, again, feed awareness and your breath. Yeah. So. Ah, that's an amazing place to finish this conversation, Tara. I feel relaxed <laughs> thinking about doing those things and 
I totally get you on the uh, the humming thing. We do it at the start of our classes and, and we always do two. And one is about also blessing the room. And sometimes I do that and I think, I don't need to do anything else. I always want to get up and walk away because I feel so good. And so I 100% am on board with that. I think also if you are someone that speaks a lot in your work or you're building confidence on video or speaking in general, that work really helps to build uh, not only the breath coming from that navel part of the body, but it's going to help your projection to be a lot more powerful. And we could have a whole nother podcast on that <laughs> if you want to. But to add a little side note to that, that is something that I have noticed over uh, about a year and a half of doing that. It's amazing. I don't know if that's something you've noticed as well. How I your voice stands changes. You stand stronger in your mm. power, don't you? Mm. Because you're coming, that's like your your solar. Yeah. Your solar plexus, yeah. like your gut, like where all your power comes yeah. from. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we will leave this amazing conversation there Tara thank you so much for saying yes to this and spending this time with me if anybody wants to check out your programs you've got a program called 40 days with Tara and some of the things that you said at the end of this conversation that last question give people a really good insight into what you teach in that program because you you're really keen on making this stuff accessible and I know that you love supporting people and corporate small business owners to manage their stress and manage their well-being so 40 days with Tara is one of your offerings is that correct yeah and when does that open up again when you're doing the next one i have the next round probably starting at the end of february amazing so haven't got the actual date yet but it will be very soon so if they, anyone is interested they can find me on instagram and message me to be added to the waitlist if they'd like to be on the waitlist beautiful and what's your instagram handle tara l bagnell beautiful <laughs> and you have a website on wellness.com.au yes yes and hopefully this episode comes out around the same time as the book is live so we will link up to where you can buy the book as well and you can read both Tara's chapter and all of the other amazing women that participated in that book so once again thank you Tara thanks